As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. God dag, god dag och välkomna till ännu en rockpodd. Det här är inte vilken rockpodd som helst. Det här är Rockbottom med mig, Anders Tegner och... Erika heter jag. Den vackraste av oss. Nu var jag snäll. Du pratar om dig själv nu? Nej, jag pratar om dig. Oh, tack så mycket. Du är mycket snyggare med mig. Du brukar alltid göra någonting okontrollerat och ofiltrerat ja, när det gäller mig. Ja, vänta bara. Jag blir så chockad att jag, du säger någonting snällt. Det är några så här märkliga kontaktannonser eller som du brukar hålla på med eller något annat pinsamt. Ja, du bäddar ju som du ligger. Ja, ensam. <laughs> Idag har vi tyvärr ett tråkigt besked, skulle ja. jag kanske säga. Antingen beror det på att vi är fullständigt otekniska. Så kan det vara. Eller också är det divine intervention som inte ville att det skulle bli som det blev. Uh-huh. Men vi gjorde alldeles nyligen en intervju med Eric från det fantastiska bandet Testament. Yes. Ett av de, de riktigt klassiska av de här lite uh-huh. tuffare amerikanska banden. Det var, uh-huh. det var lite grann Anthrax, Metallica. Uh-huh. De, 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 de slogs ju när The Big Four. Och de var här och de är still going strong. Och vi sitter och pratar med honom. Turnerar på Brotherhood of the Snake-plattan. Precis. Mm. Uh, och vi gjorde en fantastiskt bra intervju. Ja! ja. Uh, men uh, vår inspelningsutrustning ville inte riktigt hänga med. För första gången. För första gången. Så att när vi kom hem och lyssnade på det så var bara andra kvarten av den här halvtimmen inspelad. Där första fanns inte på, på kortet. Nej, fanns inte på kartan. Nej, och, och det är ju ingenting vi kan göra någonting åt. För vi kan ju inte göra om det. Så att... Uh, uh, kvällens, eller dagens ska vi säga det låter alltid bättre att säga kvällens för att det är liksom, när rock'n'roll är mera kvällsgrejer men um, man får helt enkelt bara dyka in i en intervju och lyssna på Erik för han har mycket kul kvar att berätta vi snackade ju om allt möjligt vi, vi, vi frågade honom till exempel hur många medlemmar testamentet hade haft ja. det visste vi ja vi visste det, visste det men han. han hade inte riktigt koll för att ett tag där i början på 2000-talet så bytte de medlemmar som, som du bytte trosor 
Minst en gång i månaden. <laughs> ja, där kom den! <laughs> och, och, och då är det lite svårt att hålla reda på det. Hur många det var. Men 23 stycken medlemmar har kommit och gått. En del har kommit tillbaka också. Ja. Så, och han berättade också om det här när de startade att de var influerade av, av det var både Black Sabbath och Deep Purple och även samtida band då som, som Metallica och sånt som de började lyssna på. Att det rådde någon ganska, så här, ganska kaxig stämning i, i San Francisco och det ja, området. de supportade ju varandra, alla ja, de här banden. Mm, det gjorde de. Och att det var ett sound som, som precis som Seattle-soundet mm. kom. Som, som man, man kunde knyta det här soundet till just The Bay Area, som de säger. Att, ja. att det är San Francisco-soundet. Och, och om det beror på att det jämt regnar där, det vet jag inte faktiskt. När så pratade vi om The Ritual, albumet från 92, som var en stor kommersiell success och, succé. Och eh, frågade vad, vad var det som gjorde att den blev så populär. Och då svarade Erik ungefär att de satt ett litet mån att de skulle bli kommersiellt stora. Och att det där var något som orsakade lite slitningar inom bandet för att man måste vara true. Mm. <laughs> och samtidigt så ska man ju, som man sa, kunna betala räkningarna. Ja. Så då gjorde det en liten kompromiss. Ja, precis. Men det var ju bra. Det blev mycket bra. Vi, vi kriver in i den här eh, intervjun då. Då har vi pratat om just det här med medlemsbyten och... Eh, han ville få tillbaka sin gamla gitarrist. Gitarristen däremot, han eh, var inte så intresserad. Han hade fått för sig att han skulle bli en seriös jazzmusiker. Så han stod nere på någon jazzklubb och lirade eh, ja, någonting dissonant. Och medan publiken stod och skrek, skrek testament, testament! Och då så kriver Erik in där och säger, kan du inte komma tillbaka till bandet? Ungefär där kommer vi in i intervjun. Ja, så varsågod. Här är Erik från testament. You know, I'm gonna go visit my old pals, whatever. But he came there. It was a sold-out show. People were freaking out. He came on stage, and he hears Alex playing in a, in a jazz band in front of maybe 50, 100 people. You know, people screaming testament to him all the time, and he's trying to play his jazz. Going, no, I'm <laughs> fucking a jazz player now. I don't, I don't, I, I don't do testament. You know, he could never get away from it. Mm-hmm. So he went on stage. And people were freaking out. And I think he went home going, wow. Like, maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. So a year later, <clears throat> we had another guitar change. And we were talking about who was going to be the guy. And I told Chuck, I go, I don't, unless we can get the original guys back, I, I don't want to do this anymore. It's getting to be kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Right. So we made a phone call. Um, <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going out. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Lou and Alex agreed to do Like, I think it was, um, we were going to do seven shows in May. And, and when was this? In 2005. And <clears throat> that turned into two more shows, two more shows. Oh, now Japan wants two shows. And we never went home. We, we were out for like a year. Wow. You know, we just, no, now you guys are going here. Oh, now you're going here. And we just, <laughs> before I know it was 2007 and then Nuclear Blast was showing up. We were in Europe, Germany and... You know, we I think we even inked our deal on stage. We stopped the show, we brought the contract out in front of the fans, and it was that was kind of cheesy, that, but no, we just wanted people, cool. we wanted people to know that we were signing a record deal, right? Of course, you know, a new one, and then from there it was just like the rebirth. But was it was it like coming back to the old days? Uh, the, after 23 well, members, at, at first, <laughs> you know, we, 
remember we were playing demonic the gathering low all these we were heavier again and but when we did the the reunion thing we were start we went back and we were playing the older stuff so we started having to submit you know dnr three days in darkness uh demonic low dog face gods like song and alex remember was just like what, what do I do? Because, <laughs> you know, it, they're, in the old days, it was like lead guitar player rhythm. Mm-hmm. And now it's turned into, I mean, it, it still is like that, but we're now we consider ourselves we're just guitar players. You know, we both do what we do. At one point, uh, there was just you and, and Chuck in the band. Uh, was, was there a time when, when, when virtually Testament wasn't around anymore? Yeah, it was, that was for, I think it was probably about a month. And that was the demonic uh, material. And we were going to be called Dogface Gods, actually. Mm-hmm. And that's why that record's so heavy. And it's all death metal singing. Is It was written for that purpose. Um, the label was like, you know, when we turned it in, they heard it. And they're like, you know, Dogface Gods is cool. And, you know, we have the logo. and But then they were like, but if you use Testament, you know, it'll sell and you know just we're just no 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 but then when we thought about it we're like would be nice to sell records right away and not have to start all over again because you know starting over is hard and at this point we had been together for 15 years or whatever yeah so I'm glad we did it tell us about the Brotherhood of the Snake what what came about with that and how did you Uh, your latest latest offering yeah Yeah. Um, that one was written so we had so much touring going on after Dark Roots of Earth um, we kept I think Chuck kept telling the fans you know we got a record coming out you know next month or mm-hmm. we're going to start writing but we all weren't really agreeing when we were going to do it um, it wasn't until we had an offer to play with the Monomarth in Europe and we we're like Monomarth like we're a new band like why would we open for but then when we seen their numbers and how many people they play in front of we're like well, maybe it'd be a good idea mm-hmm. to get in front of some kids and whatnot. <clears throat> but we had to have a new record out. So we tried to schedule um, when we could write the record together. Um, it turned out that every time we tried to schedule something, the other guys were doing death or Alex was doing this or doing that. So Chuck and myself kind of had to just write it in my bedroom with the ghost drummer and uh, put it together and I think it came out great I mean I love it I love Neptune Spear and, and Blackjack I think they're yeah. great songs yeah I mean so there was a lot of stuff that I had libraried and I don't even remember having the riffs I just would come home and press record and just sit on my couch and just I knew I'd be recording for 10 minutes but then after that <laughs> you start watching TV and I'm like <laughs> stop record you know go to bed do the same thing the next day go on tour come back a month later press it and I'm like Whatever, whatever. Well, what was that? You know, there was always that like five seconds of something. So I'd go back there and I'd figure it out. And then, you know, oh, wait, I could do this over that. So there, I, I guess probably half of it was like that. And then maybe some other songs were older, like <clears throat> Neptune Spear was actually going to be a song on um, Formation of Damnation. Oh. And it, we actually recorded it. Really? Oh. But Chuck didn't write lyrics to it, so we never that never went on the record. Um, 
I'm kind of glad because we waited and we we added some more things to it. Made it, it wasn't exactly the way it is. We kind of fixed it up and made it work a little bit better. I mean, the solo is almost like neoclassical. Yeah, that was that. that was something that was really cool. It's, you know, influenced off after Bach. Mm. Um, How have you been forced to to change your approach to to the world really i mean you you started out in an analog world with with album sales and physical records uh there was albums and cassettes uh and then of course during the 90s that was pretty much the, the same thing but in the new millennium things started to change with downloads oh, yeah. and the lack of record sales uh when, when you do a new record now what is it you focus on to to make sure people get it out and you can actually get paid for what you're doing well we we do the same thing as we normally do we just try to write good songs and be a fan of what we're doing you know not not think of like is this going to sell to me it's got to feel i got to be able to fill it in my heart like you know something that i wouldn't want to listen to you know i'll take the tape and listen to my car driving if i don't like it then i'm not going to bother with it so and i usually don't introduce a riff to anybody unless i like it um even if maybe they go hey what was that you play and if i don't like it i'm gonna go no but <laughs> It's got to come from the heart, I think, music. Um, as far as the other stuff, what you do after, I think we're all still trying to figure that out. Um, what's, think, what's the incentive for fans to actually buy a record rather than just listen to it on Spotify? Well, <laughs> I know metal, what metal, especially nuclear blouses, they're putting uh, vinyl out again. And they're having bundles where they have, you get a t-shirt, um, you know, special artwork. And that's the one thing about metal is art is a big part of, of a record. You know, telling the story visually of what the song's about. Um, I think that's important, especially like the older records that we used to listen to, like Twenty One Twelve or you know Kiss or any of that stuff. Just looking at the cover and then listening to the music, you're just like, wow, this is cool. And then you got you know, you know, commercial music like you got the Cars. You know, you look at those record covers; it's like boring. <laughs> and Warhol, whatever his name is, See, I don't even know his name. Um, kind of art. I mean, you can't sit there and look at it and listen to the song because you're not going to do that. It's more you're in the elevator. I, I think the Cars it. had an album with some pretty hot chicks on the cover. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you know, if you can make it out of the bathroom. <laughs> but 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 what about social media and your interaction with the fans today, which is much easier now with, with the tools that that were available. Yeah, so back then. yeah, there's there's good stuff and bad stuff. So that's what you know. I guess a lot of people are trying to. There's Instagram now, and um, you know, tweeting and all that. Good and you stuff. do all that? I do Instagram. Um, I have Facebook and tweet, but I don't do those. I don't, I don't have time. <laughs> Um, I do Instagram. That's fun. I like to do that. So mm-hmm. we always finish off by asking about your cringe song. But if is... you have any ideas, <laughs> let me know. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the cringe song. Yeah, a this... song that you love, but that's not you wouldn't really admit it in an interview. It's not something that's really, really something to be proud about. It's not be something... No. Well, then why would I tell you that? Well, because because we we, we ask everybody and it gives <laughs> yeah, a new yeah. dimension to the people. Pretty please. It can be something from your childhood, perhaps, or a silly commercial or something. Just a song that that it's kind of cheesy. But so that something you like. that I really like, though. Yeah, you really like it, but it wouldn't be, you know. Yeah, everybody would go what? Well, yeah, yeah. you like that song? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like Little Uzi Vert. Uh, he's a rapper. Uh, it's a song called Little Mammy. It's pretty cool. Okay. Um, 
So yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> Look but, that up. <laughs> do, do you just uh, when when you listen to music today, have you broadened your horizons, so to speak? Have well, you I started have, to I, listen to other stuff than than you did 20 years ago? Well, yeah, I have kids, so um, you know, 14 and 19, and <clears throat> they listen to a whole different thing of music, and just I see how their friends react, and you know, snapshot shot or whatever it's called, just where they're talking and what they're listening to. So I, I give it a chance, you know, I'll listen to it and see what, most of the time I get really upset and go, this sucks. You know? <laughs> Don't you understand this sucks? You can almost draw it out like, you know, like some guy jamming like 21 hours of rehearsing a day and, you know, years of practicing and, you know, six minute epic song and, you know, just a lot put into it. Then you've got the fan and they're like, meh. <laughs> and then you got this really good looking kid plays one, two, two chords and he's talking about some girl and everybody's going, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, what? It is crazy. We're do getting see, old. <laughs> do, you, do you see the successors of, of uh, the, the, the classic bands who are now in their 70s, uh, yeah. a lot of them, uh, and people are saying, you know, there's no no future for hard rock. Uh, we don't see those arena bands coming from, from the new... I, I mean, certain areas, like where, where I live, Sacramento, I think like hip-hop's really big. But then if you go to like like here, Sweden or something, I think hard rock is very alive, mm -hmm. you know. But the youth is definitely, they need to be schooled a little bit. And I think it'll come around. I've seen it, I've seen it go away, come back, come around. Somebody's, there's going to be some kid band that's going to come out and do kind of what we're doing, but they're going to do something. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to put a twist on it and it's going to be killer. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're, we'll be proud. Go, thank you. <laughs> Have you recently heard any band that really, wow, that's a good band? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of bands that I think are that are great, but not like brand new. Uh, I was know. thinking the younger kids were actually doing uh, rock, but but <clears throat> not in their rock, way. not rock. No, I mean, I, you know, um, let's see. Do you know any? <laughs> <laughs> let's think about it. <laughs> Well, I'm 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 pretty stuck in the seventies myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. You know, I, you know, I, I was listening to the Eagles in my car, and I was my daughter was listening to it, and she was kind of singing along, and I was like, man, there's no more there's no more music like this anymore, where it's just so good, you know, melodic, and even the solo. I forgot how good the solos were. Stunning band, just Eagles. like really good melodic, almost like it could be a merciful fate. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, thirds and just like, I didn't even know that lead was there, actually. Right. Um, so to finish off, uh, is it uh, uh, as wild and crazy in the tour bus these days as it was in the 80s? Um, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> We got the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you.